Welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Canada. Here's what I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. A couple things. On my last podcast, I asked about what have been the most creative, the most impressive mechanisms that the pinball world has brought out over the last couple of years. And for the most part, there really wasn't much. There's not much out there. And pinball is now costing more than it's ever cost before. So I want to talk about on this episode, just overall, if we zoom out, if we just put ourselves in the Zen position and we think about this entire hobby from a distance and we ask ourselves a very simple question, is the creativity in pinball, is it aligned with where the cost of these machines are? And now for each and every one of us, we have to ask that question when we get asked to buy a new machine. Because people forget this, this entire hobby, for the most part, all of these pinball companies, they 100% absolutely need new in-box sales to stay viable. And can all of these pinball companies, there's like 12 of them, there's three new companies about to throw their hat into the ring, there's a mystery game, there's Tilt Bob Pinball, then Pedretti's going to do a remake. Can all of these companies survive? Can Spooky Pinball announce two more games next year? Are we going to get three more games from Stern Pinball, two games from Jersey Jack Pinball, we're going to get Pulp Fiction, we're going to get another game maybe from American Pinball. All of this is going to want your hard-earned money. And when you look at these games, there's a reason why games like Galactic Tank Force aren't moving. There's a reason why games like The Godfather are not moving. There's a reason why Venom LE will probably never sell out. Because at this much money, you're simply looking at these games, you know what pinball is capable of, and you're saying to yourself, I don't see the correlation between these prices and this creativity. You know, I put up a poll. It was a very interesting poll. It was like, which remake would you like to see the Pinball Brothers and Pedretti Gaming do? Do you know what had the number one answer? A third of you said the following. I don't want any more remakes. I don't want something old to be reskinned into something new. You want brand new creativity. I don't understand with all of the money and all of the talent and all of the time these companies have to make a great game. American Pinball had three years, three freaking years to make Galactic Tank Force amazing. Are you telling me if you go into a pinball workshop or a pinball factory and you're sitting in a room with talented designers like Dennis Norman and Zofia Ryan and the coders and the artists, you can't come up with better stuff to screw to that wood than just a button that changes a diverter, a tank mechanism that's way too close to the freaking flippers and a cow hanging from a wire. Three years. How does it take you three years to make that? Keith Elwin can design a full-featured game like Avengers in less than a year. Imagine what Jaws is going to be now that he's had like two plus years to work on it. And that's why I think everybody is expecting real creativity to return to pinball in 2024 with the release of Keith Elwin's Jaws. But let's stay on this topic for a minute. Why isn't pinball more creative? Am I being too nitpicky? Am I complaining about something that I wish was there that just isn't there? I don't think so because we know and we see so many pinball machines from 30, 40 years ago that had a lot more creativity put into the machines itself. 
So then it's obvious why the machines are becoming more barren, why the machines are becoming less imaginative, why there's not as much dreaming and innovation happening under the glass. Because these companies are realizing that they need to design to a cost. And I get it. Like, you got to stay in business. But what I don't get is a company like Jersey Jack Pinball. Are they designing to a cost? Why? And they've done that now two games in a row. They've clearly designed a game to a cost. When you lift the hood on Toy Story, when you lift the hood on The Godfather, it's nowhere near as much in those games as games like The Wizard of Oz or Dialed In or The Hobbit. And then you lift the hood on these games, which they design them to a cost, and then look at the result. You're not getting the sales. So it costs them more than the cost they were trying to achieve. And I don't understand, if you've got a billionaire backer, why aren't you designing every game to put as much as you can into that game? And then when you're done with it, so let's just imagine this. You give Eric a game like, I don't know, Top Gun, and you say, look, man, just make the best version of Top Gun possible. Don't worry about the cost. But you're going to see where I'm going to go with this. Why don't you just let him do that? All right, let's say he comes back with a game. And it's a Top Gun game with everything you could possibly want in it. You've got the assets from the movie. You've got the aircraft carrier. You've got the fighter jets. You've got a way to launch the multi-balls. They eject out of the cockpit. Everything is in that game that you could possibly want. And Eric comes to you and you're like, all right, well, what is the bomb to make Top Gun the way you want to make Top Gun? And he says to you, well, it's going to cost us $8,000 to make every single machine with everything I've put into this game. And you're like, all right, fine. And then you know you've got this masterpiece with everything in it that the designer wanted to create. You didn't hamstring them. You didn't give them parameters. And then you price the game accordingly. And we know that this hobby now has enough wealthy people in it where you're going to find at least like 500 or 1,000 buyers if the theme is right and the game is loaded. Yeah, people would rather spend $20,000 on a single game that has everything they want than $10,000 on a variety of machines that are all compromises that don't have a ton of creativity in it. And that's where I see pinball right now. I would rather own one game where clearly the designer was able to throw his creative juices into that machine and didn't get told no versus all of these games now just feel like, okay, like everything looks like it was designed to a cost. And I get that companies like Stern have to design to a cost because they are a mass market company, but it's about everybody else I'm talking about right now. Why is everybody else doing the same exact approach? Like making these games that don't have a ton in them, there's not a ton of innovation, not a ton of creativity, and then they want to charge you so much money for the game, and their prices are the same as a Stern machine. I mean, we all know this. Stern is laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, they were laughing all the way to the bank with a $13,000 LE and a $10,000 premium. And look, they were shown that people would pay that much money. Do I think people are going to pay that much money on every single title? No, I don't. I think games like Venom are exposing Stern for its marketing strategy. It's not going to work on a game like Venom. I mean, just imagine if Black Knight came out today, like Black Knight Sword of Rage. How are you going to sell that game at $13,000 and $10,000? And so now the pressure is on, like every game Stern needs to make has to have a ton in it. That's the one good thing about high prices. If the creativity isn't there, there's no way you're going to feel like this game should cost this. 
If you look at the conversation around the Godfather, is the conversation around the gameplay? No. Is the conversation around the theme? Yes. Is the conversation around, is this theme worth this much money? That's the conversation. It doesn't matter how much work Keith Johnson put into the code. It doesn't matter how many diverters Eric Minier put into the game. The narrative around that game is simply, is this game worth this much money? And people are looking at it and they're saying no. And I'm happy they're saying no because it sends a message to Jersey Jack. It sends a message to the distributors. I don't care how much I like my distributor friends. I don't like them $15,000 enough to buy a game that the moment I own it, it's going to lose $3,000 in value because other people out there have no demand for it. And that's just the stark reality. I just saw someone bought a queen pinball machine. How is queen pinball from the pinball brothers like $11,000? Are you kidding me? $11,000. And I saw someone trying to sell it for like 9,200 bucks. And they're like, look, the first owner put 150 plays on it. I put like 50 plays on it. And now you can save $2,800 if you buy it from me. You'd be the third owner of a used machine for $9,200. Are you kidding me? I mean, how many of us have forgotten that Stern LEs used to cost 7,500 bucks and they were actually rare? That's not a rare machine, queen. And also like, if you're gonna sell a pinball machine, people, do me a favor. Just sell the machine. Don't tell people how many plays it has on it. When you tell people you're selling a used machine with low plays, you know what you're communicating to everybody? This game sucks. That's all you're saying. If you buy a pinball machine and you put 50 plays on it and then you go to sell it, you are telling everybody this pinball machine sucks. All right, just don't even say how many plays are on it. Just say it looks brand new. Here's the other thing, just make something up. This is gonna be the funniest moment of truth I ever give you on my show in like 10 years. If you spent like a week and just put an extra 500 plays on it, it would actually get you more money for your machine. This is not a car, people. The low miles don't count. When you try to trade a pin with low plays on it right away after the game just came out, all you're telegraphing is this game sucks and I don't want to play it. You know, and it's just that simple because it's not a collectible. Nobody in, in their right mind would buy Queen Pinball to collect. And so now we're at this crossroads, this beautiful crossroads in pinball where cost and creativity are at opposite ends right now. I think the creativity is low and the cost is high and we're heading into 2024. We saw a lot of creativity with Pulp Fiction. I mean, that game's got a lot of creativity to pull off what it did on a single level game with no LCD screen and look at the response to that game. So I think the pinball buying community has the cost of Pulp Fiction and the creativity. It's like take both of your hands, interlock your fingers, and that's what the feeling is around Pulp Fiction. And that's what we want. We don't want the world. We don't want miracles. We don't want Canada to treat everybody kindly every single day. We still want to see Canada get drunk and do stupid stuff a few times a year. Do you still want to see that? All we want is for games to do that. And look, four years ago, five years ago, almost every single pinball machine was like that. The creativity and the cost were aligned with each other. And it's just not the case anymore. And we've had years and years and years of like content creators shilling everything, praising everything going on in pinball. But now we're seeing the pause. The great pause in pinball is great. 
And so look, now we're at this crossroad. And as this new mystery company is about to come out with a licensed theme game, I'm looking at a company like that and saying, you know, wow, what an interesting time to get into pinball. Two things have to happen. You have to have a licensed theme game that's executed near perfectly and the price better be right. If you don't get those two things right, who's going to buy your game? Who's buying Punny Factory for six or 7,000? Nobody. I don't even talk about that game because if I talked about that game, I wouldn't have 600 and freaking eight or nine subscribers. There are so many pinball machines now that are just easy passes. And it just begs the question, if you're gonna put in the effort, get the talent, get the creativity. I think the number one problem in pinball is that it's the same people doing the same things every time. What did Einstein say? That's the definition of insanity. Why do we expect all of a sudden, like the design team over at Spooky, you think you're gonna get a game like Godzilla, like on the next game? No, they're not gonna be able to leap to that level of talent. They're gonna have to go get new talent. Do we really think, this is gonna be the interesting one, do we really think Steve Ritchie has one more home run in the bag? Because his last three games or so with Stern Pinball, they were so lacking in creativity. And you can't argue that it was just the bomb because the bomb on Godzilla was only $100 more than the bomb on freaking Led Zeppelin. So it's not the bomb that's been holding Steve Ritchie back. It's his own imagination. I mean, Steve Ritchie thought that a spinner raising up from underneath the playfield is what should be symbolic of a Led Zeppelin machine. He didn't even find anything interesting to do with the freaking Led Zeppelin blimp, people. I don't understand it. And look at Star Wars. Like, that wasn't originally designed to be Star Wars. It was clearly a different game that he reskinned. I mean, come on. There's no way you make Star Wars and the creative idea you have is to have a freaking hyperloop or hyperdrive be this big thing that loops around the playfield. That doesn't make any sense. There's absolutely nothing to do in the Star Wars universe where that would be the main physical toy in the game. And so here we are at this great crossroads. The only good bang for the buck left in pinball is right here. $5 a month, 60 bucks a year. You're going to get Canada's Pinball Podcast talking about these things in a direct way, in a strident way, but in a way in which we're trying to analyze what's going on in pinball. And I think in a way that liberates each and every one of us. I don't know about you, but it's very liberating to stand on the sidelines, put your money back in your pocket and say, hey, I'm really going to put the pressure on these companies to show us what they can do creatively before I hand over the high costs they're asking for these machines. The company that's failed the worst at it right now is Jersey Jack Pinball because they took their price way up on two machines that lacked total creativity and the sales are indicative of that. And where they go next is going to be interesting. I think we're going to see Steve Ritchie's game by the end of the year because there's no way they're going to be able to keep the line going with freaking Godfather because there are no Godfather sales. New in box LEs are sitting at distributors. So once they finish making the collector's edition, what are they going to do next, right? Nothing. Nothing unless they get the next game on the line or they do another run of a game like Pirates of the Caribbean, which I don't think they're going to do. And the other part is this. At the end of the day, Jersey Jack Pinball as a brand is dying with its own buyer base because they won't finish the freaking codes on the games. It's just symbolic of how much they care. Are you telling me, Jersey Jack? Guns N' Roses has been out now for three freaking years, over three years, and you can't finalize the code on the game? 
And yes, I mean, final code. Stop with this like beta thing that isn't the final version of the code. It's been over a year now since you booted Scorebit off of your machines and you haven't replaced it. So clearly you didn't even have a plan when you removed Scorebit from your games. And all of this, all of these details, they matter. Look, we could argue about Stern's creativity per cost, but at least Stern Pinball like gets the details right. They have the most professional looking website. They have merchandise. They have the most professional communications. They have everything kind of down to their kind of science. And I don't really fault them for what they're doing because they clearly own like 85 to 90% of the pinball market and they own it for a reason. And if you want to be successful in pinball, it's staring you right in the face. Just get as close to Stern as you can or improve upon what Stern is doing. If you're making pinball in 2023, 2024, and you're not at level with Stern or better, what are you doing? How do you think you win market share with an inferior product that costs the same amount of money? I mean, how silly and inane and idiotic can people who go into pinball be? Like, you know what the bar is, and the bar is not that high. And that's my final point today, ladies and gentlemen, on this Friday episode. The bar is not that high. If you look at a game like Venom, are you telling me that nobody can make a game more mechanically interesting than that? Of course you can. There's no way it is that difficult if you've got a year or two to make a single game to get more creativity in your product. Oh man, I'm fired up. I'm all excited about tomorrow's Saturday morning spectacular continues. I've had a couple week hiatus. It's been good for me. I've been going to the gym religiously. I've been eating better religiously. I've been feeling great. I've been going to bed at earlier hours. I've cut coffee out of my diet. It's interesting when you cut coffee out and you get better sleep and you eat better and you don't get so stressed out, and you don't listen to everybody on the internet telling you what a terrible person you are, guess what happens in life? You feel good. You wake up, you feel good, you feel stronger, and you have more energy. It's ironic that people turn to coffee for energy because it actually has the opposite effect with me because I drink too much of it, and then I can't sleep, and then I don't have as much energy, and then I need even more coffee to wake up. I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for being a club member. A lot of you have reached out to me privately. I really appreciate it. And I also want to say if anything I've said inspires you to take 20 minutes a day and to just change the way you eat, change the way you think, change the way you work out, change the way you spend your time. I see a lot of people spending a lot of time on Pinside, on Facebook, a lot of time talking about, arguing about, streaming about, talking about pinball. I do this on a weekly basis, but trust me, this is not the center of my life. It's not the center of my universe. The center of my universe is my family. And the reason why I want to take care of myself is because I've had a child later on in life and I want to be around for Killian as long as I can. If you want to get me crying, if you want to see the Canada Waterworks going, I'm not going to start crying because content creators make fun of me or make videos about how much of a loser I am. And trust me, it doesn't bother me that much. I understand the cause and effects of my actions in this world. And I am a fractured human being that's always a work in progress. But I think that's somewhat of what makes me interesting. And I think that's somewhat of what people can relate to. I think the world's turned into a place now where everybody always acts like they're perfect. Everybody always loves to point fingers. Everybody always loves to find a moment where you act inappropriately. And then they want to like hold on to that moment forever and cancel you. I don't believe in that. 
Have I made mistakes? Sure. But I don't think anything I've done is truly, 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 truly hurt anybody that badly. And I mean that. And if I have hurt anybody badly, I would love for those people to call me up and let's talk about it. But that doesn't happen. It never happens. People just can't have adult conversations. I want to thank Emily Anderson, who I had a great phone conversation with this week. You know, sometimes when there's all this pinball drama going on, I just love to reach out to people and see what's up. Like, how's everything going? Like, you know, what do you think? Like, how do you feel about pinball? How do you feel about what happened? You know, what's going on in your world? Like stuff like that. And it just helps to give me a different perspective. So Emily, thank you for taking the time. And I'm super excited. My birthday's coming up in two weeks. And Derek, you know, my best friend, Derek, I left him out of the damn video I made recently. My best friend, Derek, is flying in from freaking Texas. And we're going to spend a few days in New York City. And I've got such great plans for Derek. He's going to get a little slice of what it's like to be Canada in New York City. Everybody, have a great Friday. Take care of yourselves. If you're around tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to miss Ireland playing in the Rugby World Cup to do this show for you tomorrow. So don't ever say Canada does not sacrifice his family time for you guys, but it's not the center of the universe. Pinball should not be the center of anybody's universe unless you work at pinball and it's your livelihood and it's your living. Everybody, talk to you soon. Have a great day. Yeah!